back to the Stock Market Option Trading Podcast. I'm glad to be back with you. My name is Eric. I, uh, I'm a little bit behind on putting the episodes out. Life happens. Kids go back to school. Everyone got sick and then I traveled. So I'm a little behind on my uh, podcast uh, schedule, if you will. I try to put one out every week, but I'm trying to get caught up this week. So thanks for being patient on that. And today I want to talk about the idea of repainting and if repainting is actually acceptable. And so we're going to kind of start from the beginning about what repainting is, just so we put it into a little bit of context. So what is repainting when it comes to trading? Well, typically repainting is associated with technical analysis, especially within the context of chart patterns, indicators, those type of, those type of things. Repainting often refers to the phenomenon where an indicator or chart pattern changes its visual representation or value based on new price data, even if that new data is from a period the indicator previously covered. That's the uh, chat GBT version, by the way. So let's dive into that uh, for a second here. So a non-repainting indicator is, is when once a candlestick closes, whatever time frame you're looking at, once that candlestick closes, a new one begins, right? The indicator's value for that closed candlestick is fixed and it will not change. It does not change. Repainting indicator is as after that candlestick closes, its value changes because of future price data. Essentially, the indicator is cheating by using information from the future to modify its past values. And here's kind of an example of that. Imagine if you had a, a simple sort of signal indicator that gives you a buy or sell signal at the close of each candlestick. Maybe it's some kind of trend indicator. If at the close of that candlestick, it, it gives a buy signal based on the available data up until that moment, then changes to a sell signal after a few more candlesticks. So what you don't want in an, a repainting indicator like that, especially a buy sell like trend indicator, is let's say you get a buy signal and then the market turns back lower and then the buy signal disappears, right? And you know that's a problem, obviously, right? Because it's said to be repainting. It means it changes that visual representation. And the danger is, of this is really that they give a false sense of accuracy, especially when you go into backtesting. If you, you know, if you put up on, and we do this, I do this all the time, right? I'll go into trading view. I bring up an indicator that I want, that seems interesting, that might fit what I'm trying to do on a particular time frame, And I go back and review historical, you know, quote unquote signals. And when you look at the signals, you're like, oh, wow, this thing's really, really accurate. Well, if it's repainting, you're looking at the repainted version. And of course, it's going to be accurate. Anyone can, <laughs> you don't need an indicator to go back in time and say, hey, I should have bought here and I should have sold here. So you want something that uh, in the technical analysis realm that, in my opinion, that does not repaint, obviously, right? So, and for most of you, this probably isn't anything new. You've probably heard of repainting before, but I want to talk about a couple other instances or, or uh, concepts where repainting might actually be acceptable. So let's go ahead and get into that. And one of those things I want to talk about is the expected move. Now, what is the expected move in the context of options trading? So in options trading, you'll see this in the platforms. Um, I see it in Thinkorswim and Tasty Trade, and I'm sure other options platforms um, will show this. The expected move refers to the amount by points, uh, meaning the underlying stock points or dollars or whatever, the amount that the market believes a stock or underlying security will move 
over a specific time frame. Usually it's by the expiration that you're looking at for that particular option chain. And what it does is it provides a range of outcomes in which the stock is expected to trade at at a certain confidence level based on its options prices. So Tasty Trades put out a few videos about how they calculate theirs. Theirs is a little bit different from uh, Thinkorswim. And so they, you know, it's, it's sort of these proprietary calculations, but in general, they tend to use implied volatility and they look at a certain time frame. So they may look at the options pricing for at the money options out to a certain Delta or something, or they may look at the, the current straddle price at the, for the, at the money options, How, however they calculate it. I don't want to get into that because it's a little bit complicated, but basically they're saying, Hey, over the next, let's say you're looking at an option chain that has 30 days to expiration and you'll see something that's like, Oh, plus or minus 50 points. Right? So that what they're saying is that over the next 30 days, the underlying, the expected move is plus or minus 50 points. So that means it could go up 50 points. It could go down 50 points. And it's expected to stay within that range about 68% of the time. Now, 68% of the time typically is a one standard deviation move. And so there's still a chance, obviously, and I mean, I'm sure you guys have experience with this, that 32% of the time that stock is going to move outside that range. So this expected move, some people like to look at it to see, oh, maybe I can sell options outside of that range and in hopes of... Uh, the market staying in that range, but we've—I think we've all kind of found that the expected move is tricky because it repaints in a sense, right? So, and, and you can really see this on zero DTE options. So when when the market opens and you're looking at the expected move, and I and I, you know, obviously I trade SPX, I talk about it all the time, but that expected move could be let's say um, 20 points or something, and. That means 20 points up, 20 points down. So I guess 40 points total. So when you start the day, the expected move, let's say is 40 points. And let's say that the, the uh, SPX is training at 44.50. You'll see a little sort of bracket or, and this is, I'm referring to Tasty Trade. You'll see like a little shaded area that says, hey, here's the expected move. But what we often realize is once the mark, let's say the market moves up 20 points, well, the entire range moves up with it. It's the expected move is going to always be centered around the current price. So now, uh, let's say an hour later, the market's moved up 20 points. Well, the expected range may still be 40, 50 points, but now it's 20 points higher. And over the course of time, as you get closer to that expiration, the range is going to move around, meaning it's going to follow price and always be centered around the current price. And then it's going to start to shrink because as you get closer to expiration, the, the range is going to decrease. This, in a sense, is sort of a repainting, if you will, because as new data comes in, that range is going to change. Now, it's not repainting in the sense that you can go back and see what the other range was. Like, it's not trying to trick you. And, and this is one of those cases where, you know, repainting may be a bad word for this, but... It's something that you're looking at this metric, but this you got to understand that this metric is going to change every you know every few minutes depending on the time frame. And zero DT it changes very quickly. Obviously, if you're looking out 30 days, 45 days, those type of things, um, it can it can you know be a little bit more steady, if you will. Now, as you go farther out in time, the expected range gets bigger and bigger and bigger because it, it it's sort of leaving room for the market to. Uh, have more options. And you've probably seen this before, but if you, if you have the, you might see the cone that comes out on the price chart where 
you can add that expected move to the chart in certain platforms and you can see this cone and you know one of the thing i think the expected move it really what people really uh, use it for is a lot of times they use it around events so if you look at a stock like like a whatever apple or something nvidia any stock really when the earnings come up that expected move expands because the surprise factor and we've talked about this in previous episodes in the price time continuum episode we've talked about market events the expectation um, is that the market could move pretty big up or down so this increases that uh, implied volatility and this is where vol sellers like to come in and try to sell that volatility because if the stock doesn't make that move then you get that vol crush so this is where a lot of people use it if, if it's just a hum-ho market where it's like not much is going on and maybe you're just in a small little uptrend or maybe a, a pullback or something, it's hard to use the expected move because, you know, again, it moves around a lot. So I wanted to add this into the repainting discussion because something came up in one of the groups I was in. They were talking about how the expected move isn't reliable because it changes. You look at it and then you come back an hour later and it's in a different spot. So you know, maybe it's not repainting, but it is something that moves around and is going to change as new data comes in. So in a sense, it is repainting, you know, how, however you want to look at that. And just to put a, an example here. So if you look at uh, SPX that over the next seven days, the SPX is expected to move about 53 points. And this is according to Tasty Trade. If you look out another seven days, 14 days, it's about 80 points. So again, as you as you go out in time, the expected move is going to be larger. But then every day that you get closer to that expiration, that expected move is going to actually shrink a little bit. So just wanted to throw that in there. So you probably heard of both of these, you know, repainting and technical analysis and, the, you know, how the expected move tends to move around. But I was messing around with an AI software the other day, and and this is really why I wanted to just kind of talk about this. You know, it's, I I was looking at this AI software that basically can read a spreadsheet with your data and give you insights in, in on it, and it's I think it's really kind of geared towards businesses, like you know if you have sales numbers and um, different products, and you know you can put the data in there, you know, and it will tell you, oh, your sales will probably be this forecasting, predicting what your future sales would be based on, you know, current metrics up until that point. So I thought it would be cool to throw in some S&P 500 data just to kind of see what it would do to the data now. But basically what I did was I took weekly data for the S&P 500 and the weekly close data. And I, I put, a, I made a spreadsheet of uh, weekly closes back to 2005. So it's almost a 20 year um, study. So let's call it, I don't know, 17, 18 years. Don't ask me why I chose 2005, but I chose 2005. And it crunched the numbers and it spit out kind of a forecast of what it thinks the prices, the, the price of SPX would be over the next couple of years. So it's very long term. And we know, you know, we're not expecting this to be accurate. Or anything like this, but um, but it was kind of interesting what the output was. So let me just tell you, let me just give you some numbers what this thing uh, put out, just so you get some context. So I did this, um, actually did this a few weeks ago, and it's projecting at the time I, I put the data in, which was August, mid August, and the market was trading around forty four sixty four, and I think we're 
kind of somewhere near that now, but um, it's projecting that in by October, uh, I'm sorry, December of 2024, um, it's it's very bearish. It's got the S and P 500 down to what's that 2500, and it's interesting because that's a pretty big move, right? And there's also a cone of um, like a, a range around that list, but it's got a. It's, I mean, it's pretty bearish from even into next year and into 2024. I mean, I would never predict or think that the market would be down that let's call it 3000 or so, um, in the next year. I mean, anything can happen obviously. Right. But here's the thing. So, and this is recommended by the software provider is that, you know, as your new data comes in, you will update the data. So every week, what I should be doing is putting in the next week's close. And obviously if the market starts to move higher, it's going to recalculate and it's probably going to, uh, change the, the projected forecast. So this in a sense is, um, a, a sort of a form of repainting the future of it. You know, it's not repainting anything in the past because the past is already known and fixed with the price data. But as you add in date, new data, the forecast or the prediction is going to change. Now, again, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when you have these forward looking, uh, models and as new data comes in, that forward looking model is going to change. That's why the future is so hard, uh, so hard to predict really. Right. I mean, you can't predict the future. So what's the you know takeaway from all this and how can this help us? Um, and what I've sort of come to, to just kind of solidify here is that when it comes to technical analysis signals or something like that, you definitely don't want any kind of repainting if you want to you know, back test and do, um, you know, some, some, if you want to gain confidence, you want to make sure that those signals are going to stay there and not change because then all of a sudden you might be in a trade and all of a sudden the buy signal goes away and you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? Right? So you really want to make sure that whatever indicator you're using so that once that candle closes, you really want that signal or line, whatever it draws out, whatever the output is, you really don't want the, that to change. And quick example, let's talk about a moving average. So let's say we're looking at the 30 minute chart or something for the 30 minute bar, the moving average is going to move around. So the current bar that you're in, you're going to see that average, that little line kind of move around a little bit because it's not complete right? The candle's not complete. So as the price moves around, that final moving average for that particular time interval is going to move around. That makes sense, right? But once the candle closes and the next one opens, the line's going to extend and the moving average value is going to start moving around again. But the previous bar is finalized. It's not going to change because it is a fixed value. So moving averages do not repaint, right? So only the current candle, whatever that value that is, is going to be changing until complete. And this actually, I took a bad signal. I think this was about a week or so ago. And it was a smaller time frame, five minute chart. And we were on the current candle. I think it was a five minute, um, uh, five minute chart. And the five minute chart started, the bar was moving around, the price was moving around as normal. And it started to, uh, a sell signal came up on the screen and we were about two minutes into the two or three minutes into the five minute candle and the sell signal was there. So I went short. I, I think I sold a, some call spreads or something. And then by the end of that candle though, the market had kind of come back up and the sell signal 
had disappeared. Kind of a hint or um, recommendation is if you are going to be taking signals based on something like this, you want to wait for the candle to close because I basically jumped the gun and it ended up it ended up going short, uh, issuing another sell signal, a, a real complete one, a few bars later. But, you know, this one, this is one I think I jumped the gun because I did not wait until that candle actually closed. But when it comes to other analysis like expected move or some kind of forward price predictions, I think it's great to use those. Uh, but it's really more of a probability game or it, what it's telling you, hey, here's the likelihood that something will or will not happen. So in the case of the expected move, it's estimated that 68% of the time the price is going to land in that range for that period of time. Um, but we know that that moves around. And it kind of reminds me of the Bollinger Bands a little bit. I was thinking about this as well. Uh, I think the numbers are, you know, 98% of the time price is going to close inside the Bollinger Band or something like that. I, you know, it may be a different number there, but it's very high probability that most of the time the Bollinger Bands uh, price will, will close inside the Bollinger Band. And the times that it closes outside the bands can considered to be the market can be considered to be overbought or oversold, something like that. That's what a lot of people use those for. And you may get excited and say, oh, man, we're outside the we, the upper band. I'm going to short this thing. It's too overbought. Well, then the next day, the bands are going to move higher like they're not fixed. Right. So as the bands move higher and let's say the next day the market moves sideways. Well, the next day the market could close inside the bands because the bands have moved. They, the goalposts are moved and now you're no longer, you know, quote unquote, overbought. So just because there's these probabilities that you're kind of told or seen like 68% of the time it's in the expected move, 98% of the time it's inside the Bollinger Band, that doesn't necessarily mean you should go opposite or go long or whatever the um, whatever your strategy is. It just means that these are more probabilistic type indicators and you want to have a probabilistic um, type strategy. So is that, you know, are these repainting sort of in a sense but I, you know, I think that you can still use those. It's just, I think, really good to understand when repainting or when uh, when your prediction or expectation changes, how you handle that. And the best way to do that it was is with probabilistic trading. And that's sort of my take on that. So I hope I gave you something to think about here. Really just want to, you know, sometimes it's good to go through our thoughts and just kind of understand what, what we're looking at and what we should expect from a particular uh, indicator or piece of data or information. So I hope that helped. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.